0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to VR Download. This is Upload VR's weekly broadcast, diving deep into the next generation of personal computing. I'm Ian Hamilton, streaming today from an Ethernet Connection in Arkansas, joined in virtual reality by David Heaney in England. David built this studio himself in Unity, and it is my favorite spot in virtual reality. It's perfectly comfortable. We've got automatic cameras here with live comments from our viewers on YouTube during our live recording on Tuesdays. David just finished rebuilding our website recently, and we encourage everyone out there to become UploadVR members. There's a button right on the homepage of UploadVR.com to learn more and support our work as we chronicle the next generation of personal computing. Hello everyone in our comments, and David Heaney, what do we have today? So first, we'll talk about the fact that
1: PlayStation VR 2 is now showing up in retailers in the UK and US, so it's not just exclusive to PlayStation Direct anymore, they're actually getting it out into more sales channels. We'll then talk about the fact that the next Quest update, V54, seems like it will let you set a custom skybox for your home. Then, Meta's Avatar Grow Legs research paper, which... Created a lot of buzz because it shows the potential to use AI to have plausible AI body AI powered body pose estimation in real time. So not a system that takes you know minutes or hours to process on a GPU, but one that could actually run at frames per second rather than frames per minute. Obviously, we'll then talk about the big news of today that Apple has trademarked XROS in New Zealand ahead of the expected. June reveal of its headset XROS obviously being the reported name of the operating system for that headset. Finally we will talk about that hint from Google at IO that Samsung's Android powered headset that it had partnered with Google and Qualcomm on may be revealed later this year so that would be a
0: big entry into the VR AR market. Just looking over the beginning of our comments here, I'm seeing uh, Big Chris out there in Fresno. I have nothing but sympathy for the heat that you're going to deal with out there. Um, seeing uh, Ryan, Quentin, Quentin. I think didn't wasn't Quentin? Didn't they write that they were on a on their honeymoon and watching our show last week? That was amazing. Uh, uh, so thank you for tuning in. Uh, also said you were delaying your lunch um sorry for our uh, irregular timing we've just we've got news to struggle with and yeah we sometimes go early sometimes go late that we uh we kind of have to be flexible sometimes let's get right into that first bit of news on uh sony i think it's your comment in particular david that i've been kind of holding on to that sony's launch early in the air was sort of a, a soft launch and uh this is uh kind of marking the beginning of that transitioning not to a soft launch isn't it
1: yes exactly we saw a launch that was not really marketed very heavily we saw a launch that was only available through playstation direct and there were some analysts of course that came along and tried to pronounce that the whole playstation pr2 was dead and that it would you know never take off but what we're seeing is exactly as i speculated at the time that That was a soft launch. Sony is now expanding availability. In the UK, it's available at Amazon, Game, Shop2, Currys, and Argos. If you're from the UK, you'll know what those are. If you're not, you probably won't. But those are all of the big retailers that people would buy consoles at, pretty much all of them right there. And in the US... It's uh, only available right now at Best Buy and GameStop, but obviously this is something that is expanding over time. I also saw they've done a few, uh, another celebrity marketing video. Ozzy Osbourne was obviously there at the start, which didn't seem to be the best choice. But I think, I can't remember off the top of my head, I'm not great with celebrities. I think it was Bella Ramsey or someone similar that did the new marketing video.
0: That, that is her name. So uh, if that is uh, Ellie from The Last of Us, as well as the best character in Game of Thrones uh yeah i thought that was bella ramsey uh my uh my kid right now is uh currently uh in love with ellie as a character both in video game form and in tv form so uh that's pretty cool seeing her uh, get into psvr too she's a that's a very appropriate person to to get shown with a headset i'm seeing recycled love to show you all pillars of the community thank you recycled thank you for becoming a member um, and do also like like the the video, please. Uh, that helps us with getting more people in here. And I, you know, our longtime viewers, I think we've gotten. You know, I'm seeing the same names again and again in our comments, and it's just it's so gratifying to see people that have come to trust us and our sort of input. They know, you know, you've watched us long enough. You know, we're we're not going for the you know the surface takes. Uh, that that everyone else seems to be going with. We're really diving deep into these things. And honestly, there there are no dumb, you know there are dumb questions, I guess, I will say, but we don't typically see them in our audience. We see just newbies and that's you know, it's not a dumb question if you're a newbie. Uh, it's just you're learning what the the space is like. Please ask those questions. Please get in here and be supportive of everyone else sort of discovering VR and AR for the first time. And uh, it's always a learning experience, right? Uh, you know, how many times over the years have we seen people try out VR for the first time? We have a nice long conversation afterwards where it's like, you know, yeah, it's not right ready for, not quite ready for me right now. But, you know, we, we know that a couple more years of progress and they'll come around. Any comments there you want to respond to?
1: Yeah, well, we try to be honest about the current state of the VR, AR industry, while also pointing out the enormous potential for this technology to improve. And as we always say over and over again, just how early we are in VR's life cycle. As I always rant about, it is uh, slightly hilarious to see some articles that talk about VR in the past tense in the same way that it would be funny to talk about personal computers in the past tense in the early nineties or, uh, smartphones and PDAs in the past tense in the, uh, late nineties, early two thousands. It's, this is so early. Uh, I love the <laughs> artfuls comment here that they're only here as they have nothing better to do this time. on Tuesday. <laughs> what I, about, I love the, honesty. are we
0: going to talk about Mr. Horse? All right, So Mr. Horse's comment right after, right after that surface takes like the recent Palmer lucky regarding Apple VR. So, uh, Yeah, I I have been in direct message argumentative argumentative chat with uh, this man right here for about uh, 48 hours. I saw that tweet uh, the moment it was put out. I put a a laughing out loud on it on Twitter um, in my response to it. Uh, We have been in uh, extreme debate over whether and how to cover that tweet so uh i guess for people that aren't familiar uh palmer lucky co-founder of oculus over the weekend tweeted uh the vaguest of tweets the apple headset is so good and uh i i'm just going to put it out there that there was nothing stopping him from 24 hours later coming back to his twitter feed and saying what are all the headlines about i was talking about the airpods max and you know I reached out to Lucky directly for him to expand upon what he tweeted and uh <laughs> I I I I got a uh I got non, you know, answers from, you know, I got one answer and it was not um it was joking, right? I didn't get any more context beyond what was on the tweet. And so we just decided not to touch that for now. We are going to have we are however going to update our our look at what apple is doing uh pretty deeply pretty soon and uh try to provide some some helpful information there
1: yes for sure uh so just to kind of round up the playstation vr news here i think you know we're seeing availability expand marketing go up the only two questions are just how heavy is sony's game lineup for the second half of this year you know what are we going to see in q3 what are we going to see around the holiday season what bundles are we going to see and then the biggest question of all are seals good enough that the price will stay the same or will we see at the very least a major bundle seal around the holiday season you know 550 dollars is a lot will we see something like a 450 and fifty dollar holiday bundle from sony and because what we saw with playstation vr at least when I looked at the stats over time is that that seemed to be when they really shipped units. It was when they had these bundles and they had these especially bundles that were heavily on seal.
0: I'm seeing a, what is it? Show complaining about our games coverage. You know, I'm I'm going to fight back at that right like we have had uh changing of the guard in our games coverage right so there is that to consider people have watched us for a long time but I stand by uh our reviews uh generally and I stand by our top lists of recommended games and those are very very valuable things uh for people out there getting into VR for the first time um you know you you don't want to wade through an enormous amount of of bad stuff. You don't want to spend your money on uh, terrible games and sort of regret your time in VR. And, you know, like I get the people that want to play the best first person shooter, the people that want to be on the best squad in VR and like rank up and and uh, communicate with their team, get through that. But I think that is a very small view of what the VR market is. That is a, there's an extremely small narrow Uh, way of thinking about what this content offers people and you know i'll i'll point people to h3 vr all day long over on steam hot dogs horseshoes and hand grenades uh, built by uh, a small team for half a decade more than that Uh, building this game from the ground up as like the best gun mechanics in vr as well as the best shooting range you can go into vr and it's a fantastic experience that anyone with a PC VR headset who has just a passing interest in uh those things will find an amazing experience in there. And we cover the shooters as well. But it's just it, it is a small thing, isn't it? Yeah, but I I
1: mean that aside, I would defend our game's coverage. I think if you look at Henry's review of Breachers or Harry's review of Vertigo 2, I think those are both excellent summaries of those games and you know I I was looking recently at our website analytics and VR gaming is actually our most covered topic we cover more VR gaming news than anything else because right now regardless of you know how sizable VR gaming is in the long term the the vast majority of, of usage of virtual reality today is for gaming and that's you know we understand that and that is why most of our coverage is about gaming.
0: Yeah, people still uh, butthurt about what the bat, uh, what bat is still amazing. So, uh, yeah, let's move on to the next subject. What do we got up next? So we're going to talk about the
1: fact that the public test channel build of the next Quest system software, V54, has an experimental option to let you set a custom home skybox. And now that doesn't sound like something huge, but the reason that we we want to talk about it is because it may point to more customization coming in the future because you may remember in late 2021 when meta announced horizon home at connect the big update that allowed other people to join your quest home they also said that they would add the ability to build and customize your home in the future a little further out now horizon home social features shipped mid last year but now you know a year and a half after that, a little further out, we've had no customization for your home. You can choose between homes. You can upload a 3D model, not officially, but it works of homes, and you can find plenty of those on SideQuest, but there was no way to actually edit the home in real time. This Skybox setting is, is seems to be the first actual implementation of that, and, and to be clear, if, if you don't know what a Skybox is, it's just that far-off 360-degree image that composes of the sky beyond the 2d geometry so every home obviously has a skybox already and with this new set uh, setting you can choose between three pre-built ones or upload your own and so you, there are obviously you know ways to do that I, it would be very interesting to see i think john carmack talked about on his podcast with meta cto the idea of actually generating 360 degree images with generative ai so i'm sure if this does become a feature on quest someone will have a very uh, someone will make a service that lets you do that. You can just type in a text description of what you want your Skybox to be. It could be from maybe your favorite fantasy series or whatever, and then put that straight into your quest home.
0: Yeah, the the shared homes is a really interesting question. I, I think about it a lot when it comes to the idea that you and I could maybe sit down on a couch together and share the the relative geometries of our physical spaces in interesting ways, uh even another way to do it is right uh having our living room side by side, right, and we have a broken wall in between us that becomes invisible, and we can kind of see into each other's living rooms and uh, it rates relates a little bit to that story you did uh earlier uh today on the c signal app. Are we going to cover that one today, or is that not big enough for us to get into? I guess we can talk about it. Uh, I was just going to come up to your first point there because there
1: is, you know, we have someone recycled in the comments saying that they always like to pass through home. That shows your real world home. And I always did too. But there is this sort of tension between having a home environment that represents a a. A virtual environment that may not match at all your real home's physical dimensions and the idea of using mixed reality to enhance the geometry of your real room and it, it kind of also speaks to this tension of meta where on the one hand they're focusing so heavily on horizon worlds and entirely vr experience and on the other hand they the reported focus for their next headset is all about mixed reality and about enhancing your real world and obviously there is a line between VR and MR, but there also is this tension in that one takes your real world room geometry and plays around with it, and the other ignores your real world and tries to put you to, into a completely different virtual world.
0: Yeah, lots of, I've I've sort of been firing up my, my Twitter audience on this very subject, and I, I love this comment from Chrome saying it would be cool to throw a VR frisbee from your room into someone else's. And this is exactly the functionality that I, I can't wait to see in some version of Spatial Ops from Resolution Games, where you could you could all you could share a giant wall over there and then have another wall over here break down and share that with the living room. And you in this other living room can combine forces against an entire wave of of enemies coming at you through this wall. Uh, it is it is an entirely different class of gaming that we're gonna see as soon as that arrives. And I was sort of joking on my Twitter that uh, I have every expectation that the narrative very soon is going to shift to basically VR died so that XR could live. And I even saw a tweet uh, replying to, to me talking about this, suggesting that 3D TV died so that VR could live. And if you start following the thread there, it starts making sense, right? 3D TV, not good enough. VR you can argue was not good enough and you had to layer in that the the layers of mixed reality of of actually seeing the physical world in high fidelity before really all the use cases that we dreamed about 10 years ago are gonna gonna come to fruition
1: yeah i'm sure the media will make over simplistic narratives like that as they always do but i think the reality is obviously much more complicated and as we'll talk about later when we talk about apple some of the reports so far indicate that apple's headset's going to have a lot more of a vr focus than some people assume a lot of the media coverage and a lot of the speculation especially from people who are inherently very vr and are just biased against the idea of anything VR i have assumed that this is going to be an AR headset that just happens to use pass-through because of the technology. But I think if you look at the reporting and especially some of Bloomberg's reporting about what Apple is expecting the use cases here to be, this thing is going to be used in fully immersive VR mode a lot more than some be- people seem to be assuming.
0: Well, it, it all comes down to the rumor of that, that, that dial or that button that's supposedly on this device. And I I just, I've described this multiple times, but it just cracks me up to no end that even on PlayStation VR, there is a single button on the bottom and the button gets you straight into pass through mode. So you can see your physical surroundings. Beautiful, obvious feature that, you know, it needs to be on every headset going forward. Someone walks into your room. Boom. I'm looking at you. Right. That's the way it should be. Um, over Absolutely. on a meta headset, you got to slap your head a couple times. In order for you to access AR, and it's it's kind of silly when you think that that's that's the solution they arrived at to get it out to the mass. It's like it's so indicative of the overall way Meta went to market, right? They had to get out there fast with substandard products before you know. I, I say substandard, but they still sold millions, right? Like that's what I'm getting at here, right? They're they're still latching on to a great use case they're still making people really happy out there but it's also valid to argue that apple and google and others backed off until they could get this the second layer of the platform in place right this this mixed reality layer yeah i think there's two ways you can look at that obviously
1: meta the Quest was never designed to ha- to be a mixed reality headset, the original Quest, and nor was its immediate successor Quest 2. The, the fact that the pass-through was even usable beyond just for setup was more just a coincidence. It was an accident that they managed to come up with an algorithm that would run in real time on a mobile processor that would give you depth-correct pass-through. And the mixed reality was all kind of built out from there. So th- it's not surprising that there's no hardware button for it, that it had to become this gesture because of that. But you would expect that Quest Pro probably should have had a button for it and it'd be a big missed opportunity if quest 3 doesn't and you can argue yes that you know apple and google and others may have held off until things were ready but there's also a counter argument there that you know they were only actually encouraged to come back in after the success of quest that you know there's google killed daydream and they decided they specifically said that they weren't going to release a quest competitor and then Come a few years later, as we'll talk about at the end of this show, when we talk about that Google Samsung partnership, you see Google stepping in again, and I think the success of Quest is no coincidence to that occurring.
0: Yeah, a lot of you know these, these these competitive, you know, it gets like it's it's what we're arguing against, right? We don't want to oversimplify the competitive pressures. We don't want to give too much credit to one organization for doing too much. It's it's there's a lot of credit to spread around for 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 moving these things forward in little itty bitty increments and arriving at a solution. Um, any comments you want to respond to or do you want to move on to the next subject?
1: Uh, I just there was a commenter earlier that pointed out that they're on the public test channel and Meta has actually taken away that custom home skybox option. Uh, yeah, that's something that we see happen in the public test channel. Now again, where a feature gets added in and taken out, sometimes then added in again, because the whole point of that public test channel is, as the name implies, for testing new features. You know, we did point out in our article on this that it being in the public test channel is no indication that it will actually ship in the next release. But I don't think there's actually been a major feature that hasn't eventually arrived, even if it came in the PTC, you know, a few versions before it actually arrived in the main channel.
0: Yeah, it's funny. Greg's VR saying Apple bought Next VR some years ago. They had a plan long before Quest Two arrived. See, they had a plan. The so I I tried Next VR right before they ran out of money, and what they were working on was synthesizing the the views from where the camera can't see. So it's it fundamentally. You go into one of those old Next VR broadcasts and you can't see around objects. You can't do the positional tracking thing. And what I saw in their very last demo um, was them starting to figure out how to do a little bit of that. That you could start to to move your head around. And it's obvious that, you know, with five years of progress and Apple's resources, maybe they could take that a little bit further into a more comfortable space, and yeah. that's not. It's next VR is just one example of that. We've talked to multiple people, and the one I got I to talk about this guy, uh, Dr. Jeff Norris at NASA. One of my earliest, one of our earliest headlines. It's almost a decade old now. Might be a decade old now. Uh, VR, not just a game. That was a headline that uh, I wrote. It's been repeated and done dozens of other times by other people. Uh, when I talked to Norris. He talked about this—the fact that television was watched back when the moon landing happened by a large percentage of the global population. Everyone, you had you have a little box right there that a hundred people could gather around all at once and watch something happen, and it was an it was the perfect medium to live broadcast from the moon to Earth in in near live uh, feed showing everyone what happened. And the comment he gave to me a decade ago uh, now was that uh, television was the right medium for the time. It's not the right medium now. And it is very, very, very easy to imagine that when humans take the first steps on Mars, you will have a depth camera out there scanning the entire environment. And you will be able to stand there on Mars as the astronauts make their way down the ladder. And it's it's apparent, right? You can see all of these pieces, and I, I bring that up because Norris went and joined Apple and uh, haven't heard from him since.
1: <laughs> yeah, and and Meta has spent so many years and so much time pushing pushing 360 degree videos and funding them and calling them VR. And some people like them, and some people find value from them. But it's clear that that's not a comfortable way to watch long form content. It's not the. It doesn't take advantage of the positional tracking that makes VR feel like you really are there. And it's it's crazy that Meta itself showed up so much re- research on that idea of having, you know, live streamed content where you could actually move your head. There's obviously a lot of new research with with Nerfs, so as some people are pointing in the comment, but they they're not able to run in real time for VR yet. Google has showed off research on this. It just seemed like if Meta had taken all of the time and money and research that it had put to 360 videos and tried to just deliver some kind of 6 off version, they could have got here first. And you have to wonder, what is what is Meta doing in this space? It seems like another example of them just squandering years of lead.
0: Well, it's funny. I found a video uh, on one of my hard drives and it looked like it might have been some of the earliest uh, Meta avatars in Horizon. So there was some some kind of avatar system that I don't, I don't even really remember. They had these big fat faces, um, very, very weird looking avatars. And uh, it's just that that's meta had to spend a lot of money in the wrong places to prove that those routes weren't worth spending any more money on. That's, that's what, their investment costs them like that's that's what their claim to fame is they spent tens of billions of dollars to try out everything and prove that there is like a a single good path to actually finding product market fit and it's because they know that if they get there first if they get the product that is low enough priced and does all the things that people want them to do they're going to have a lead that the existing incumbents like Apple and Google may not be able to catch up to but what we're what we're building up to in the weeks ahead is this moment when Apple can come out you know Tim Cook can come out on stage and say we took our time with this because we wanted to get this right and I I understand that perspective too right and I I bring this up again and again every time I try a new headset that moves something forward, it feels like I'm getting a fresh set of eyes. And when it comes to that, like th- it's literally your sense of sight uh, that you're, you're exchanging for a computerized, uh, aided sense of sight. Um, I, won't, I will always want to have the best vision possible with these headsets. And so I do understand this idea of going to the super high end to provide the sort of best, best vision and then work backwards from that.
1: Yeah, definitely an argument to be made that that's the approach. Let's talk about that very soon when we talk about that Apple headset. Firstly, uh, let's cover this meta avatars grow legs research. And before we do, I just want to remind the audience that we haven't hooked up this studio to our new website yet, so we can't actually show you images today. We are still very sorry for that, and it's still a very high priority for us to be able to show images. But if you go to UploadVR.com, you can see the articles that we reference. Everything we talk about on this show is something that we have written about on UploadVR.com, so if you want to bring that up side by side, you'll see what we're specifically talking about.
0: Yeah, anything else you want to get into? Or do you want to get into the next subject?
1: Yeah, let's just go into this uh, avatars research. So, every, as everyone's aware, Meta's avatars today do not have legs. In fact, they're not the only ones... <laughs> don't do the fact
0: it, <laughs> It's so scary. <laughs> don't do it. Oh, man.
1: Yeah, and it, you, know, you get this strange narrative that Meta are the only ones to do that. But, you know, big screen avatars don't have legs. Rec room avatars don't have legs. Alt space avatars didn't have legs. It's not uncommon because no vr system out of the box today has leg tracking they do not know the position of your legs so you have two choices you can show fake legs or you can show no legs when you show fake legs they you you get a lot of artifacts of you know shuffle legs and warping and distortion it's fine when you're just you know assuming that someone is standing up or crouching and moving around in a thumbstick like a first person shooter the problem comes when you're in a social environment where you can transition between being seated to standing to leaning around on a table that's where you know it just doesn't work obviously yes you can if you're on steam vr purchase 3 or 5 or 6 vive trackers and charge them all up and strap them to your body and that's what vr chat enthusiasts do to get real actual leg tracking but for everyone else, the options are pretty limited. So the, the research uh, we see coming out of Meta is trying to use AI to predict what are your legs doing when all it has is what VR systems give today, the hands and the head tracking. And that's never going to be perfect. It's never going to give you what you actually would get from real leg tracking. But what it can do is mean that when you're looking at others, you get a plausible leg estimate because it's never going to be to the point where you can look down at your own legs with just head and hands input and have a plausible view of them because, you know, your leg can just be in far too many configurations independent of your head and hands. But w- what the Meta CTO last year seemed to indicate their plan is, is to have it so that when you're taking screenshots of yourself
0: and when you're looking at other people, they will have legs. So, I'm seeing people's immersion obviously killed by what you did. And that's a great, a great sort of standing, you know, jumping off point for really unfolding why this is like such a sensitive and hard topic to talk about, right? Uh, one of the things I tried at GDC was tracked legs. I had trackers on my feet, I had the, the Vive trackers, and I played a soccer game for the first time. In my memory, uh, you know, in more than a decade of writing and and talking about VR and just that was a huge, huge moment to as you know, look down, see soccer shoes on my feet and then uh, see a ball sitting right there and then kick it in every possible way that I would kick an actual real soccer ball. It's it's immensely satisfying, but I'm seeing other people like in our comments talking about how Quest 2s and whatnot. Uh, have maybe fallen into disuse because people can't be bothered to stand up. So you've got like these, these dramatically different things where some of the most like the things that actually get you up off your butt and walk around are immensely satisfying when they work right but there's actually a larger market for things that you just sit back and enjoy by looking around. So like how does a dev settle on what my market is and that's how you end up with things like like pistol whip and beat saber and all these uh synth riders all these rhythm games that use your hands and reimagine dancing essentially as a hand-based input because that's all the technology will allow at this point in time and what we're talking about now is like we're we're approaching a layer of technology where you could show your lower half to me and uh like it could show your feet sitting on your chair realistically uh to me but the moment you stand up uh it wouldn't look right to you like you, you you could be sitting cross-legged and i would see your feet represented to the floor and then you stand up and it would look pretty good to me right uh to see you transition but it wasn't actually reflective of your actual position uh and and that mismatches what we're getting at here.
1: Yeah, and I think a lot of people definitely would agree that you know it's it's preferable to see other people's legs plausible but not correct than not at all. The only real debate is between you know today when we don't have the AI techniques for this. Do you want? Do people want to see? No legs, like I said, as in meta's avatars, big screens avatars, rec rooms avatars, or do they want to see fake legs? And that's where you get a lot of very fiery opinions today on, you know, some people are absolutely adamant that they would rather have the, you know, for lack of a better term, shuffle legs that you see in VR chat users without body tracking, where you do get that very, very awkward transition from seated to standing. And when they kind of move around physically, you see the legs almost seem to like shuffle and slide and be dragged across versus Real light tracking. I, it's a very interesting point you brought up about the, you know, the seated usage that I don't think leg tracking is going to dramatically change that. A lot of the time, people who do that, it it's, you're working a, a physically demanding job. And what you want to do at the end of the day is sit down and relax. But I don't think VR is inherently standing. There are some great seated VR games even today. You know, there's, there's warplanes, battles over the Pacific on PC. There are simulators, flight simulators, driving simulators, uh, Elite Dangerous. But, you know, obviously there are many, many on PC, but even on standalone now, you have Warplanes Battles over the Pacific. You have Grid Legends. Uh, if you're on PlayStation VR, you have Gran Turismo. And I think when headsets become more and more comfortable, like we're seeing proved out in Big Screen Beyond and Vive XR Elite and headsets like that and potentially Quest 3 later this year, it's going to be more appealing to actually just sit there in a headset and get that immersive experience without actually needing to stand up and move through the room.
0: Yeah, there was one comment in here I wanted to respond to. Where did it go? Um, the uh, where paradise decays. Can we just see nails and and toenails? And I that comment made me look at my hands and uh, realize that I don't have fingernails. Right? I know. I know objectively I don't have fingernails. Like I know that they're there, but I forget. Right? I I, I allow myself into this illusion and. That's what we're we're talking about across the board from, you know, I'm moving my elbow right now uh, to an extraordinary degree, but it's not matching. You're not seeing those elbow movements uh, matched uh, regularly. A lot of these things can just be put down into the subconscious and we're just we're just comfortable with it. And you as our viewers have learned to accept some of these, you know, these avatars on, on those terms. But when you stop and think about some of these things and like, Oh, you get, you, you want out, right. When you start noticing the the mismatches.
1: Yeah. The, the research seems to indicate that as long as the position matches and along, as long as the motion matches, your body tends to accept it. And in some cases, even if the position and motion don't match, there are certain scenarios in which your body will accept it. It seems to be based on the kind of consistency of movement as in, does your input have a consistent relation to the output rather than whether the output is actually accurate to where your real position is. So there's a lot of potential there for inhabiting other bodies and things like that. But all of that is still active areas of research. Uh, Ryan T is pointing out uh, that millions of people go to the gym and play sports daily. So uh, we shouldn't always assume people are such lazy, lazy potatoes when it comes to VR. I think that's a great point. You know, VR, VR is going to be used standing up, room scale, active, a lot. It's just that not everyone's going to want to do that. It's. It's. I don't see why we always try to, uh, not you, but some people in general, make VR this one thing where the future of VR is X or the future of VR is Y. The truth is that w- as this becomes more and more mainstream, people are going to use VR in very, very different ways. Some people are going to use it seated. Some people are going to use it room scale. Some people are going to use mixed reality that goes throughout their entire home. And all of that will be the VR market.
0: Yes, absolutely. There's a we've been on top of the story of Supernatural, right? Uh we've talked to I've talked to their head of fitness, I've talked to some of their super fans. And the question I put to both of them is do you think VR fitness is going to become bigger than physical gyms? And they they're it's a it's a wonderful question. I loved putting it to them because you don't want to you don't want to be wrong on that subject, right? But you're also one of the most aggressive users of the technology you're at the forefront of a potential new use case across the board vr lets people who are uncomfortable with going to the gym work out in the privacy of their homes without all that judgment without feeling like all these eyes are focused on you when you're not ready for their eyes to be focused on you it's a it's a, it's potentially a huge huge avenue and i do think there's a good chance that it could outstrip physical gyms over the the great span of time but uh the thing that yeah i I, it vr for the first 10 years was like appointment based right there's one thing that's appealing to me to go put on the headset and actually cut off the physical world to go do for a few minutes and uh over time, we've had two things, three things, four things, right? More things get, lop, you know, added to the list of things that are we're willing to go do in VR. And you know, your your uh, example that we we didn't get into yet, but visualizing your Wi-Fi network, right? Uh, David Heen, if you go look at UploadVR.com, just has an article about this app from Bad VR that visualizes your Wi-Fi signal throughout your home based on 3d space So you can walk around your house and inside every room and see visually right in front of you where the dead spots are and i've had situations even in the studio and in other apps where i've i've mapped out via the guardian my whole house and then i come down and sit down and i see the guardian barrier in other rooms of the house and it feels exactly like x-ray vision even though I can't actually see actively into the other room, there's no technology for that at this time. It still feels like uh, I can see my whole house and everything that's happening in my house, even though there's physical walls everywhere. And that's it's mag- it's magnificent. It's a huge, huge thing for VR over the long term to visualize things that were we just weather was the one I talked about to you david where you've got apple buying an app like uh what was it called uh deep deep sky i'm confusing it with blue sky uh there was this great um weather app that apple bought shut down and now that weather data is now floating into the, the existing app i would love to put on the headset and see the wall of rain moving towards me right it says on the app that it's going to start raining in my location in the next 5 minutes why can't i see the way, the, the rain coming toward me uh, have the walls of my house fall away and just see the clouds outside and the, the wave of rain and i can i can understand on a on a visceral level in a way that i could never before oh, yeah, the rain is just about to arrive. Like, that's that's a dream for me. And uh, all those radio signals floating around our heads all the time, we're going to be able to see that stuff pretty soon. Yeah, it was striking trying
1: C-Signal that this is going to eventually be the way that anyone sets up a Wi-Fi router. You know, eventually the ability to actually position your router and have a visual in 3d real space around you see how the signal will propagate around your home see where are the dark spots where are the completely dead spots and you know make sure that you can optimize your wi-fi it's something that people only have to kind of guess today there are some apps that let you do it on your phone but they let you create a kind of 2d representation but the problem is that the the Hike plane is just as important for Wi-Fi router placement, especially if you're in a multi-story home where you're not going to get that as easily on a 2D interface. And, it, you know, mixed reality just seems absolutely perfect for this. So you definitely look at UploadVR.com if you're interested in trying that out to optimize your own Wi-Fi network.
0: Yeah, James telling me to go out and touch grass to, to get the weather. I appreciate that sentiment. To <laughs> um, the too. Uh, hi, hi, Steve in Santa Barbara. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, as always, it's always really great to see where everyone is tuning in from kind of underscores the power of VR, that we can be in virtual reality on two different continents and uh, an audience that's global can can watch us. And, yeah, James also pointed out that that, that app was called Dark Sky. Uh, Garrett B. is just asking
1: for a quick summary of what happened with the legs again. So what happened was that Meta's researchers published an AI research paper showing how AI could be used to generate plausible positions for your legs if you want more details go to uploadvr.com and just scroll down to the future tech section and you'll see that article where you can read all about it
0: yeah and the the the, the takeaway from that was that was on a fifteen thousand dollar gpu right so that they they figured out a way to do this plausibly but uh, kind of what you were highlighting with this coverage is there might be a path from this type of research or maybe a very related line of research that takes that over two years from being $15,000 GPU to being a cell phone class GPU or the exact GPU that you would want to run uh, in a standalone VR experience.
1: Yeah, exactly. So this is just the first step of getting that to run in real time on any GPU. As you point out, it's a $15,000 NVIDIA V100. But that's It sounds extraordinary, and it sounds like that will take a very long time, but it's not the case. In machine learning, these kind of algorithms do get optimized in a matter of, you know, one, two, three, four years. And the same uh, ML algorithms that power the voice of Siri on your phone today used to run on $15,000 GPUs just a few years ago. That just seems to be what happens. The, The pace of optimization in ML is nothing like gaming. It's like several orders of magnitude faster.
0: Alyssa tuning in from Colorado. Thanks, Alyssa, for tuning in and making this comment that uh would love to have access to my phone while inside the metaverse. And I saw someone else mentioning phone. That's the advantage Apple can bring to bear here, right? If you've got that second screen, I have it happening to me while we're sitting here, right? Uh, one person pointing out that it's actually an advantage to be cut off, right? It's it's a focusing thing to entirely have your your focus being in this space for a little while but I have my phone in my lap here and I need to check it for emails. And what, what gets me about that explanation and people that haven't been watching this don't remember, the original Vive back when it launched in 2016 was supposed to have phone integration. You were, you were supposed to be able to take your phone out of your pocket and answer a call and have it pipe into your headset. So you didn't have that. And what we've encountered, what we've seen um over this this half decade of evolution um, is that only certain companies had the money to um, to figure out how far they could burrow into the original like the existing platforms and use those as the basis for what they 're doing next. Uh, to put it bluntly, you know HTC did not have the money to make that functionality work the way it was supposed to, right? You, you, They didn't have the engineers, the time to make that work reliably, like a PC connecting to a phone, connecting to a VR headset. It's a frickin' nightmare, right? Uh, to imagine all of those things working together. Meta, on the other hand, was able to spend enough to co-opt the entire Android ecosystem and fork it, essentially, or, you know, fork something on top of it. To, to build their own VR platform. And that's why it becomes really interesting when we get into the next layers of this, of, you know, we are just a few weeks away from Apple unveiling what they've done. And there is every possibility that there's a few aspects of what they unveil that will bring them, you know, it'll, it'll cause someone at Meta or Google to make a phone call to another company and say, actually... We're going to have to team up on this. We we got to work together. We can't we can't let Apple do this to us. And so we got to find a way to cooperate.
1: Yeah, that is the perfect transition to start talking about Apple. So the news this uh, the news today that Apple has trademarked XROS, the expected name of the operating system of the headset it's expected to reveal next month. And just back on that uh, the phone issue there, uh, definitely it's. Almost certainly going to be something that Apple trounces the competition with because of their end to end integration. The fact that they are completely in control of the iPhone and the iOS software that runs on it and this XROS software that runs in the headset. So I expect just as you see that continuity already on Apple devices where you can take a call from one device on another and even transfer it mid call to another device. I'd say we'll almost certainly see that in reality OS. And if the, if the pastor is good enough, if the mixed reality is high quality enough, you can just pick up your phone. You can just use that dial that it will reportedly have dial into mixed reality and pick up your phone. What, what we have on, quest today is much more primitive where all you can do is see your notifications in vr you can actually already on quest today see all of your phone notifications in vr you can take messenger calls in vr uh, with facebook messenger more relevant to people outside of the u.s than inside but there's definitely a massive disconnect between your phone and being in a quest Two today
0: i was having some audio problems here on my end so i didn't capture i didn't hear uh a ton of what you just said uh, there David but uh, Viper uh, Viper's donation thank you so much for the donation love the show question is it possible to have a TV screen follow you with pass through on as you walk throughout your house um, fascinating question because you've got you've got apps like uh, real VR fishing where you can place that in a in a standard place and then you've also got some stuff in Steam VR I think to pin things around you, but to just you know working, none of it works as seamlessly as what Viper kind of just described, right? It is it's an obvious end game for for us to get there, Um, but we're we're not there yet, right?
1: Yeah, in fact, the the mixed reality today on. Quest, the pass-through is designed to be used in one room at a time. This was actually something that I talked about in the article about C Signal, that app that lets you walk through your home and see your Wi-Fi signal. To use it properly on Quest, you actually have to disable the Guardian system so that you can walk around your home. But back a few months ago, when The Verge uh, leaked uh, the apparent roadmap of Meta for the Quest 3, there was this comment from Meta's head of VR that seemed to indicate that Meta's focus for Quest 3 would be to make it so that you can roam around your home in pass-through mixed reality. And they talked about the ability to pin uh, virtual objects and virtual screens onto real-world surfaces. So I think it's, it seems fairly likely that at some point, maybe not at launch, but down the line, you'll also be able to pin to your body and have it kind of follow you along. It does seem like an obvious use case. At the very least, you'll be able to walk from one room to the other and kind of reposition the window you had before. I'd say, you know, that's going to be a feature that I would expect on all mixed reality headsets in the next few years.
0: And I'm almost thinking about the way spatial audio works with Apple right now, right? You can wear their AirPods or their AirPods Pro. I'm not sure where they draw the line in this functionality. But you can can have the system in place where you've got your phone in your hands right here and you're watching it. And you turn your head to the left, and the audio believably uh, goes just to your left ear to make you believe that the audio is coming from this this screen that you're holding directly in your hands. You can turn your head over here, and you'll feel the audio come at you into this ear. It's a fan- fantastic little piece of technology that's it's almost invisible to you as the end user. And when you feel it, it you kind of do this double take, of like, what, what? Well, how does that work? Why does that work? That's I keep thinking about that. uh, Those TikTokers doing the mirror thing, right? How do mirrors work, right? It's the stupidest, stupidest possible people. uh, And VR and AR are going to break brains left and right in the same possible in the same way.
1: Yeah, it's not talked about enough, but obviously the inspiration for that feature came from VR, where VR caused the resurgence of true 3D spatial audio, and it's one of the magic elements of VR. You know, right now in this studio, I hear Ian's voice coming from where exactly where his mouth is. And if you're in pretty much any modern social VR app, you get that exact same feeling. The the, the soundscape around you becomes a way to know where things are in a way that it, you will never, ever get on a TV. Sure, that you can have, you know, games like, for example, on PS5 that have spatial audio, but that's still relative to a fixed 2D viewport in front of you, the TV. So you're not actually getting a true visceral sense of position and obviously I'm very interested to see what is Apple's audio solution on its headset some reports have indicated that you know it will require uh, airpods pro, Or AirPods Max, while others have indicated it might have its own built-in speaker system, but it'll be fascinating to see what Apple comes up with because, you know, their audio design and their audio hardware has been first class for many years. Now, you know, I've, I've seen some reviews that show that the MacBook Pros have consistently year over year delivered the highest quality audio from a laptop.
0: Yeah, and uh, I want to say thank you to all of our comments. Very, very, very good discussion. We have great discussion every week, but this discussion is really engaging. I'm, I'm really appreciating the, the cadence here of everything. I want to ask, uh, please do go like it, uh, like the video if you haven't. Bring more people into there via, you know, via those likes. And for those people that do join us, we always have to recap this. This is a custom built studio built by David Heaney over here, a developer, writer, expert in VR and AR technology. And we built, you know, he built this in Unity. We come in here every week. This is using meta avatars. So we'd like to broaden that so that we use other avatar systems. We're not too tied to meta technology. And we understand that these avatars are awkward and weird. But we have every expectation that if we keep this show going, you keep coming into our audience again. We get hundreds and then maybe thousands of people tuning into this over time this is going to become way way more compelling over the long term and uh yeah we understand like this is not perfect right now but we're all moving in in the same general direction and i just want to say thank you to everyone that's been with us so far and and keep keep helping us on this journey yeah, I think that's a an apt description of
1: much of the VR industry from hardware to software in general. But with Apple's headset, there may be a step change here where we finally see something that passes a quality bar that we haven't seen in any consumer hardware before. But, you know, to me, the, the reports so far suggest that Apple's headset may be priced around $3,000. So To me, it's not going to be surprising if for $3,000 they can produce something that blows the socks off any Quest that costs, you know, $400 to $1,000. That's not the surprising part. To me, what's going to be really interesting is, you know, what relates to this story today is what will Apple do from the software perspective? Because while the original iPhone, yes, was an impressive piece of hardware, It was not the hardware that actually made it the breakthrough revolution that inspired pretty much all of smartphones and much of consumer technology for the past uh, decade and a half, almost two decades now. It was that software. It was a radical, simplistic reimagining of what consumer software could look like. And if you look at the kind of awkward complexity of meta software today, if you look at just how hidden behind you know, a, a very strict model of grids of apps uh, and not much in the way of first party software, a build the SDK and let other developers figure everything out mentality and a, a ship the org chart difficulty of a completely fragmented software experience that seems to be changing from month to month. There is a huge opportunity here for Apple to come along. And deliver a fresh look at what VR software could be and what mixed reality software could be, and uh, you know I, I am far more excited to see Apple's operating system than the actual hardware. Although I'm sure the hardware will be impressive, given that it is expected to be three thousand dollars.
0: Show uh, asking what's so weird about the Meta Avatar seems fine. Totally get that. There's there's plenty of people that that understand what this is, but imagine you're you're a new user. Uh, you've you've just been lured into our our video here by all the likes on the video it's like what is what is going on here and you there's like a moment of just why am i looking at the sims talking about virtual reality like i i totally that's a totally valid reaction to what this is and the point being like we've, we've got into this uh multiple times i went to a demo last year with meta where they had demonstrated photorealistic avatars i put on a pc powered headset and had a one to one call with a person on thousands of miles away so a meta employee thousands of miles away spoke to me and i believed that there was a floating head right in front of me that looked like like a human head like it was it was a human it was a person speaking to me uh, from just a few feet away and this demo was done on pc hardware it was research grade they had to do an extraordinary scanning system over on that person in order to get that avatar in, into place they had to have a pc power for my headset to see and respond to that person and there was a missing demo from that day of, of demos with meta where it's like you just showed me the future of long distance communication but you didn't show it to me on the Quest Pro headset you're launching in a couple of weeks and it it, it underscores this m- huge gap in in alignment of their teams and and being a single organization that delivers you know must have features right at the launch of a product they they arrive at those features maybe 6 months or a year down the line yeah it's fascinating that one of the features
1: Bloomberg's Mark Gurman has reported may be present in this Apple headset actually is that meta research is the ability to see a high quality near photorealistic version of someone else's as an avatar in front of you so that if you have one of these Apple headsets and your friend does too, you can feel like you're actually sitting across from them. Uh, Reportedly, that will be limited to one-on-one conversations. It will be a FaceTime like experience just because it does take so much computational resources. And so this Apple headset is reportedly going to use the M2 processor that's featured in some of the latest MacBooks. And even with all of that computing power, they will reportedly only be able to pull off One on one. And again, this will be paired reportedly again with face tracking and eye tracking to power it. But, you know, this is something that because Meta is constrained to using Qualcomm chips, the same that are used in phones they aren't able to deliver this anytime soon. There was that, that same roadmap that was leaked to The Verge I spoke about earlier that talked about Quest 3, reportedly said that Meta plans to eventually do this themselves in a Quest Pro 2, but it, that it is a long way off. And presumably one of the big barriers there is just you know, developing and sourcing a chip that can actually power this. One of Apple's biggest advantages beyond its its end-to-end software control is that it is its own chip design developer it is able. It has been able to deliver uh, battery life and performance in the recent MacBooks that no Windows laptop can touch because of this. They've been able to, you know, ship experiences in AirPods Pro that other haven't been able to do. Uh, their Apple Watch has been able to do things that Qualcomm is only beginning to. Catch up with now, the advantages of a project that Apple started a decade ago and spent billions of dollars researching are only now starting to come to fruition. And I think in their headset, it's going to be one of those key advantages that no other headset can do. When you look at a Quest and a Pico, they are more similar than different in many ways because all on. Yes, there is all of that Meta software on top, but it's still constrained by running that exact same processor. Apple's going to be able to do things that no other company can.
0: Yeah, and I'm seeing people talking about a lot of different aspects of avatars here since we've kind of gone off the beaten path. And if, if you're not interested in the avatar talk, I understand we'll get we'll get into something else in a minute. But um, where was the one? Uh, uh, Jorg Jorgensen, so many people have no clue what it takes to make an avatar system that has a low impact on system resources while not offending someone. I hate the rec room avatars, but I understand them. I just tried out Puzzling Places uh, multiplayer. So if you go and find the Puzzling Places uh, Twitter account, uh, you can, um, I think there's info on there on how you can try to apply to be part of their closed beta for for Puzzling Places multiplayer. But they had this really simplistic avatar system, way more simplistic than even these right here. But they had really wonderful lip sync. They're, they're, the way the lips and the mouth moved on these avatars was really fantastic, and for something that's puzzling um where where you've got uh fifty pieces floating in space in front of you, I don't need to stare at that person's face mouth what it, it doesn't matter it's it's secondary to what we're doing. we're just uh putting pieces together and there was a moment in this experience uh where uh oz uh Balabaney and one of the realities i o employees uh, was holding a piece and I looked at where it goes on the 3d model in front of me. And I, and I reached over and and snatched the piece right out of his hand and put it into the thing. And even that is impossibly difficult for most developers to pull off. I've tried so many terrible VR experiences that if I, if I go and do that, the piece goes flying off into the sky, just like my hand did. Oh my gosh. Uh, yeah, so you can bend and break all of these experiences in various ways, and I I love that comment. Just you know, for most use cases, simple avatars are the the, the simplest way. But you can imagine five or ten years down the road where you've got dating apps that uh, you know eventually you want to remove the emoji and show the person's real uh real persona, or you've got a, you want a emoji that's actually representative of your real real face. Uh, and you could have that one one-to-one interaction to actually see what the person looks like in real life. Yeah,
1: we, we definitely have gotten a bit off track with the avatars. But if, we, if we're ever going to talk about it, I'm going to say the thing that I always say on this topic, which is counterintuitively, uh, when you're looking at these on a monitor, what matters to you most is typically the appearance, at least for most people. You know the, the, the But in VR, what matters most and what the research shows pretty conclusively is the motion. It matters far more. Not how realistic does the avatar look, but how realistically does it move because you don't you can look at a really really realistic mannequin in a store and instantaneously know that it's not real because it's not moving. You can look at an animation of a really heavily photorealistic meta human in Unreal Engine 5 that is running on a, a 4090 and is damn near photorealistic but if it's animated to move, in a way that doesn't actually look like the way a human moves, your brain will instantly say, that's not real, that looks awful. The research tends to show that people will actually accept, uh, by people I mean your subconscious mind, will actually accept a simplistic cartoon avatar that moves like a human more than it will a photorealistic avatar that doesn't move like a human. So what matters is, how well does the avatar match the tracking motion of fidelity of tracking that is possible from today's
0: headset and hand tracking? All right, what do we got next, Heene? Let's uh, let's move off the subject, David. I uh, sorry, sorry for calling (laughs) Heaney.
1: Yeah, I guess if we have nothing else to say about Apple, unless you have any kind of final thoughts to Um,
0: drop there. Well, I've been I've been trying to figure out if I'm going to get to an editorial uh on it where to move a little bit off of the subject of of avatars. I want to talk about SharePlay again. and and its significance for for the end user right um apple has gone on a journey over the last 25 years now where they had the ipods and they had uh itunes and there was this behavior that was happening more than two decades ago where people are downloading the the entire library of music right got put online right people started sharing peer-to-peer ways not using any isps out there uh any any servers any dedicated servers they were sharing from their computer to another computer and sharing pieces uh using a protocol to share these files with everyone and it was this very obvious like the music industry is dead if we don't find a way to monetize these songs and apple found a route to to do that you could you could stick a cd you know it was already everyone else was doing it right you could stick a cd into the computer you could have it look up the cd and get you all the track names and then have mp3 versions of those on your computer and some you know there was a conversation that happened those decades ago there were conversations and legalese and uh negotiating where Apple eventually said, okay, 99 cents a song and we're going to wrap them in DRM and we're going to find a price that people are willing to pay where it's actually way more convenient for you to go and purchase those songs than it is to um, go and do this, this CD process in order to have those songs unwrapped. And now we have this, we have libraries of music that can't be played without authorization. Um, because of this twenty twenty plus year evolution, I I know there's a lot of people in our audience that have hard drives full of movies that they've acquired from various places. You could download various things. Uh, you could download HandBrake and rip rip uh, the DRM protection off of DVDs and sort of do the same process you want with your movies. But it never got uh, it never got as widespread as what happened to the music industry. Where I'm where I'm going with this is that. Um, these next platforms and the way that two people share a bit of media is is I, i'm convinced it's going to be what it all boils down to that the companies that pick the right way for us to share media that give users freedom to do what they want with their content are, are going to win the day and right now on Apple's SharePlay system both people have to own a piece of content in order for you to both watch the synced up version. You have to have two subscriptions to the streams, the same streaming service. You've got to have um, both purchase the same movie in order for you both to throw it up there. Meanwhile, there's places like big screen where I can just go in and someone is streaming from their PC, some movie for me to go and sit with others and just watch in a big theater. Right. It's, it's, what you've got here, uh, you know, it's it's both Apple's biggest strength and potentially its biggest weakness. They have spent billions of dollars and 20 plus years ironing out licensing agreements with every major provider of, of art in the world. And if someone else comes in and finds a way to do that kind of sharing without requiring you to have these multiple subscriptions and jump through all these hoops, it's going to win the day.
1: Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. In, in real life, you can go to a friend's house and they can put on their Netflix or a movie that they've rented and you can watch it together. They don't have to walk through the door and also be subscribed to Netflix. For VR to be a viable uh, socializing alternative in that sense or to be you know something that's really, really compelling for hanging out with friends that are far away, it needs to have that capability. But one thing I would note is that I wonder if, a the the movie industry is as uh amenable to this idea as the music industry was and b i wonder if cook can do what jobs did because from what i've read about how itunes came together and how this happened it was very much so something that steve jobs did personally and that's something that he had these relationships with these me, these media people where he came in and you know used a style that today would not fly in the very you know corporate uh what's the word square apple a a style of communicating and making deals and working with other companies that you know would just not come from the kind of executives that you see at any tech company today never mind the kind of very sort of pr style uh corporatist apple that we see today so i i do wonder if that era is potentially over
0: Yes, absolutely. And it is one of the one of the core questions we're going to be looking for over this next few months. Uh, Meta just rolled out. Oh, what is it? Peacock. You can go and enjoy Peacock content you get. I've even got multiple emails in my inbox saying I've got three months of free Peacock that I can go into a VR headset and watch all alone. (laughs) And it's the it's the most isolating bad idea. But what I think I see in that deal is Zuckerberg or Bosworth has to go and talk to the head of NBC and say, "Hey, let's trial this before we actually flip the switch on co-watching." And uh, it, it makes sense that those those deals need to be established by Meta. But what I'm what I what I'm kind of getting at here is like you know. Um, I don't know how how this gets managed or how like unlicensed content gets gets smacked down is kind of uh scary. It's scary to think of those those notices going out to people, right? Uh, you know, I know, you know, people that did go and do uh LimeWire and BitTorrent back in the day, they got they eventually got letters from lawyers and it, you know, scared them over to uh not pirating their content right uh what is it the the person that got jail time for sharing um what was it the love guru i think it was they they got a super fine for uh sharing the love guru what a horrible like example to set to everyone else in the market right like what a horrible horrible movie to to get uh to get in trouble for <laughs>
1: Yeah, it'll be fascinating to see at that June event what Apple's strategy is around media sharing because it is it is potentially one of those magical use cases of VR, the ability to sit beside your friend and you know hear them from your left ear because they're sitting to your left while you hear the movie coming from in front of you because that's where the, the virtual screen is and have a, a co-watching experience It just is not practically possible with so, traditional technology.
0: So show futuristic. In fact, I'll extend this to why are there no legal and meta-curated options for renting movies, reading PDFs together? These are the relationships I'm surprised at. So uh, seven years ago now or something like that, I found the terms and conditions Sitting somewhere on Meta's on Facebook servers, where they outlined the way you could rent a movie and then have up to five guests—I think it was—it was four or five guests—come and watch that movie with you. So they had they went through this uh, more than half a decade ago, trying to build some some kind of licensing partnerships with the big media companies, and it was back on the Gear VR, Oculus Go period when. Nobody's going to wear those headsets for two hours to watch a movie to begin with. So the whole effort just languished and died. But they did. They've tried it. They've tried it multiple times. And they've they failed.
1: Yeah. And I think you have this problem where there's so much churn at Meta and they've changed, you know, obviously it was Facebook back then. They've changed the entire structure that, you know, it was Oculus was a subsidiary. Then it was a division. Then it was rolled in. Then it was reality labs. And so it was Facebook reality labs. Then it was meta reality labs. The the company has changed so much and and churned through. And so many of the original executives that, that ran those projects probably work, at a different company and they've probably moved to five different companies by then given, you know, the average tenure in Silicon Valley tech firms that you can see that it may have been someone's vision that hasn't worked for Meta in five years. And what you see in Apple that you don't see in almost any other tech company, especially the likes of Meta and Google, is the ability to actually set and follow a long-term vision that is dictated by a executive who takes charge of the project and takes responsibility for the project. And what you often hear from a lot of X. Ex- Meta and ex-Google employees is that there's nothing like that at those companies. It's complete chaos where there is just no overall vision and structure because no one wants to actually uh, set a goal and a vision and actually make the people follow through on it. Everyone's coming straight out of college, able to work on their own special snowflake project that gets abandoned and uh, uh, completely removed from the store a year later because no one actually ever wanted to keep picking up on that.
0: Well, yeah, when you've got a lot of layers of middle management, right? There's a lot of finger pointing to do and and uh, blame to try to offload to other people when these things don't work, and that is one of the things that I've seen reiterated about Apple, right? That that there is a single point of failure. There's a single person who is in charge of that thing, and I don't I don't know that Meta has has been able to match that, but there is this moment coming up just a few weeks away where. Uh, Everyone at Meta can point to Apple and say, "Do that, right? Let's go, let's go do that immediately."
1: Yeah, if you look at how Meta responded to Snapchat and TikTok, it's very clear that they have no qualms with looking at what succeeds at other companies and just shamelessly copying it. Uh, much like some of the Chinese companies we've seen, like Pico, have no shame in copying Meta. So it just seems to be a big circle of copying i expect we'll see things where meta copies apple and then chinese companies copy meta but of course we'll also see chinese companies directly copying apple as they always have if you use a uh, a xiaomi phone you the operating system is basically just like an iOS skin over
0: android for example yeah and uh i think the I think we're ready to move on. We've got one more more subject. Is that right, David? Yeah, one more
1: subject, and that is the hint from Google that Samsung's Android-powered headset could be revealed later this year. So if you haven't been following this story at all, in February, Samsung revealed that it was partnering with Google and Qualcomm to develop XR hardware, with Qualcomm providing the chipset, just as it does for Quest and Pico and google handling the software so then uh last week at google's io conference google was talking about their partnership with samsung on smartwatches where samsung a few years ago abandoned their own tizen operating system for smartwatches in favor of letting google handle the, the the operating system with wear os and so they said and here's the quote our partnership on Wear OS with Samsung has been amazing, and I'm excited about our new Android collaboration on immersive XR. We'll share more later this year. So that seems to confirm that Samsung's allusion to Google handling the software means that this headset will be Android-based, just as you know Wear OS is Android-based.
0: Yeah, show futuristic. Still getting on that last subject a little bit. Talking to Mister Horse. I used to be a comic book nerd, loved going to the shop and chatting and reading, not understanding why it's not a thing in VR. That was an experience. I love that. I That's, that's a specific experience I've never had. And I, I love the idea of thinking about that being born again in VR. And I'm thinking specifically of John Carmack, right? He has been messing. He, he's talked about how he has a ridiculously large comic book library. And he has built, gone into VR and built these... Uh, like these tools for that stuff. But uh, th- we go back to Horizon Worlds and like is Horizon Worlds the place where people are going to bring their PDFs and share them in that social way? Or is Horizon Worlds the place where you can go and watch the biggest new blockbuster movies and and go and pay for a ticket to go watch a couple of those with friends? Um, I want to talk about Android and this... You know, this very apparent thing that both Samsung and Google are going to face just a huge uphill battle in trying to get devs to come back to their platform. And both uh, David and I, and people in our audience, will also agree like the number of people who were burned by what Google did previously to both Stadia. Am I saying it now after it's dead? Am I saying it right now? Stadia. I think it's Stadia, Stadia. Stadia forget it's the stadia uh, stadia i'm gonna keep saying it wrong i'm gonna commit um and uh you know the way they killed that after barely getting it out the door and the way they killed the daydream you could come to google you, google could come to you and say here's a million dollars to build your game for us exclusively for a year and there are a fair number of developers who will look at that and go probably not. I can't. I can't do that. I can't take that risk on a platform that is going to get abandoned like this. Um, what I want to push back at that, since everyone is apparently looking at and knowing that that uphill battle is is ahead for them, Google. If it, it, this next generation of device is really mixed reality focused, it's it's a new layer that lets you focus on your surroundings. We know that Google has lens and all of its ai based technologies that they could roll out and say okay here are actually all of the apis for learning about your surroundings and this is the layer that we are asking devs to build on top of so google can come out uh and say actually out of the box on android based xr headsets going forward You're going to get a wealth of information about the world around you just based on Google's AI technologies alone, and then also hand in hand with that wealth of information, like we talked earlier about the Wi-Fi signals, right? That's an obvious one that Google themselves could build, but they can say, okay, this is what we did ourselves with three, four, five apps. Now we're also opening that up to developers to go and build all those things, too. I have every expectation that's the kind of Android system we're going to see in a, in a few months. Uh, still, do you think that's going to be enough to, to m- get people building on Android again?
1: Yeah, so, so core features like that are obviously going to be important, built-in first-party features. but. Those, I think, are going to be a lot more relevant. By those, I mean Google's AI tools like Lens are going to be a lot more relevant when it comes to glasses that you use out in the real world. In your home, people are still going to be using those immersive VR apps and those kind of uh, encompassing mixed reality apps that we expect to be see being used on Quest 3 and on Apple's headset. So like you say, with, with the uh, retreat on Stadia and with some of the things we saw in the past, like Google's previous vr platform daydream that they pulled away from developers without giving it much of a chance they're going to have a real uphill battle in convincing developers to build on their platform it, it, if you talk to any game dev about their sentiment on google it is it is really just atrocious like this, the Stadia situation has left such a bad taste in people's mouth because, as I think I mentioned in a previous show, there were developers who were actually building games for Stadia when they learned from the general news media that Stadia was dead and those games were just instantly killed off. There there was no kind of long-term commitment there. It's it's interesting to see how will this Samsung Google headset slot into the market? Where will it be in comparison to Apple and where will it be in comparison to Quest? will it be high-end enough and sort of have a smooth enough software experience that it can compete with Apple? And if not, will it be cheap enough and have enough games and immersive content that it can compete with Quest? Or will it be stuck in the awkward middle ground that a lot of current headsets are stuck in, like, for example, Vive XR Elite, where it's just neither it's neither good enough to compete with the high end nor cheap enough and available enough to compete with the low end it's it's going to be a difficult one to see I, i'm interested to see what samsung does from the perspective of hardware though uh, they've always shown themselves to deliver excellent hardware in the smartphone space even if you're someone who prefers the pixel software experience you would Pretty much everyone would agree that Samsung leads with hardware when the Windows Mixed Reality headsets, which were actually VR headsets, uh, were available for PCs a few years ago. Samsung's was the only to have unique hardware like OLED panels and built-in headphones. So especially if we can see some of their partnerships with Samsung Display, we could perhaps see this as being one of the uh, first standalone headsets to use OLED micro displays outside of Apple's.
0: Val dark making this comment at this point waiting on Disney to pull the entirety of Disney World Atlanta into or sorry Disney World Orlando into VR and move out of Florida. that's a you know there is uh, somewhere buried on our website a review I did of the latest Star Wars attraction at Disneyland and I wanted to review it as how it relates and what it's different about it to a VR experience. Where you have a you have a stormtrooper coming through the room with a blaster and then imposing right in front of you. And then you back up against a wall and your back presses against a physical wall that you look back at it and it's actual like it's actually themed like the real like a real prison cell. Um it's you can't you can't recreate that in any kind of mixed reality experience you it, it can but it it'll be bits and pieces for decades almost right it's not going to be the whole experience for a really really long time and you know it's going to be a long time before places like that die and and are ready to be replaced by by AR and VR and i i think it's interesting this the samsung thing right they built arguably the best uh until hp took over the best mixed reality windows mixed reality headset and then they were also the partner for gear vr and shipped all of those vr headsets they're willing to work with a very deep hardware software partnership but do they have kind of the the where the the, are they willing to bet on this long term and really commit to it as a as a multi-year effort just like we're scared of google not committing to it for a multi-year effort, is, is Samsung going to come back to it? Um, right, and how does that relate do. to all that other stuff? I want to go back to I want to go back to movies, right? This all the stuff all relates, right? Um, I've got the Lord of the Rings trilogy extended editions in my library. I went and purchased those three movies, right? And I can go into each of their menus in my Apple library, and I've got a ton of the extras that were included on the original DVDs. Uh, in there in my movie package, and I can go and enjoy them alongside the movie, and have basically the entire uh the entire DVD experience now just streaming over the internet or downloaded locally. What is keeping us? We've, we've got this new generation of movies. Uh, Avatar, uh, this the Avatar sequel in three D. I'm seeing people in our comments talking about Ready Player One and other really great three D experiences that are great. What happens when you can go into a VR headset like we described earlier in the show, you can have your four friends on there, and they're just guest passes. They didn't have to pay for the movie, right? You own the movie, and this is for personal viewing purposes. They can join you. And then you're sitting in a custom theater that is themed after the movie. You could have these giant whales swimming by, uh, like sort of like you're in a giant aquarium while you're watching this big movie with your friends. That's that's those are the types of partnerships we were talking about earlier that could be brought to bear, and it's also available for Samsung and Google to make their their experience better with YouTube.
1: Yeah, I think Google's just going to run into the same problems we just discussed uh, Meta and Apple having there, where it's just it's a licensing issue. It's the it's the film industry is just far far more. Uh, conservative about this. They're stuck in the past compared to the music industry. We live in a world where you can pay one subscription to access almost every song ever made by every artist. But if you want to access all of the streaming platforms it would cost you you know, $150 a month or something ridiculous like that. And even then You you don't have every movie ever made. These studios that run these streaming services don't even have the vast majority of their own library. When you look back over the past 50 years in this, movies and TV shows are still one of the only uh, types of digital media where piracy is more convenient. And the reason I use that exact wording is because that was what Gabe Newell of Valve, uh, the terminology he used when he talked about the motivation for Steam and Steam's business model and Steam's focus was to make purchasing games more convenient than pirating them. And that's something that the music industry has done. It's something that in many cases, you know, the audiobook industry has done. And you could argue that the, you know, the book industry has done as well with subscriptions. The movie industry is the only one that does not do that today. And the T V industry as well. So there that's going to be something that takes uh, place in a, in a much larger battleground than just VR and AR. But when it comes to the commitment of, of Samsung and Google, I, I don't think Samsung's the one to worry about here. They have they are a huge, huge conglomerate that have shown the capability to stick with many different types of hardware products over many years. I do think it's going to be, Google is going to be that big worry. And you could see a possible future where to these two things happen, and I'm just speculating here, where Google does eventually decide, you know, three or four years down the line that this new Android VR ar experience hasn't been as successful as i wanted and then meta decides to let other companies use their software platform and samsung keeps producing the same hardware but shifts over to metas just as in the smartphone era we saw a lot of companies that were previously building for non-android operating systems switch over to android in the long term nokia for example with windows phone and blackberry for example
0: with their own os yeah to take some of my uh sort of talks earlier that i you know take it a little bit further what i was kind of hinting at earlier uh aka big worm saying they want their money that's why writers are striking that is absolutely accurate and i i do think about what what effect the writer strike is going to have on these studios making their deals with the big companies right If, if you've got four or five major studios that own most of the movies in the world they have to think about how much money they're going to pay the writers of that content uh, over the next few decades, and how you know how those licensing agreements will be constructed. But you've you've also got to add to this that Apple is producing its own content, right? So you could have a situation like Severance. Uh, I just saw that Severance season two is delayed due to the writer strike. But you could you could hypothetically. Go and have a viewing watch party with several others and you're sitting in like the office of Severance, right? You could be sitting there and the office can be over there and then you're watching on this big screen with your friends over here. The ex- the other example that I think is like a I'm gonna I'm gonna come back to my my uh walkabout and fill out your bingo cards um walkabout went and teamed with labyrinth right they made a deal with jim henson's labyrinth to do a labyrinth course based on the 1980s movie you go and play that course it doesn't use the original music from the movie some of the some of the most memorable music uh ever made and used in a film and they had to go and build from the ground up something that was in sort of like the the general tone of that movie and apply that to the golf course But what I want to get at is uh, whoever, Jim Henson's, whatever the ownership of that company is, who owns the rights to that movie, they could go make a deal with Meta and have a theater that is themed after the movie. And you're watching the movie now in a theater that's themed after the movie. And the exit there, instead of being the red exit sign that's always been in every theater forever, can say, here's the walkabout course. And you could go after a movie. And just go through that door together with several others, and go out and play a round of mini golf themed after the movie. All those, all these, stup- all these visions of the metaverse that we see people pitching pale in comparison to what I just described. That's that's what I want. I want to have this shared experience all the way through. That's consistent across multiple things, and it's getting pretty close when you start thinking about like what Ready Player One showed and that idea of of all this content coming together. But what are the legal agreements that are going to uh, allow exactly what I described to happen? How do the writers get paid for that movie that came out in the 1980s? And how does the studio get paid? How does the tech company get paid? How does the walkabout developer get paid for that whole functionality? And what, are the, what is the tech structure that allows that functionality of us? us going and watching that movie together in a themed environment and then go out and having an activity based on the themed environment.
1: As you say, it does all come down to the licensing. The the tech is trivial. If the licensing was available, it would be a thing in two weeks from now. The technology to do all of that is not the hard part at all. I actually think you point out that Apple obviously owns Apple TV plus. So they very much so could deliver that on their headset if they have uh, the, the right licensing rights from the companies that actually produce the content for them. Even then, it's not even clear that they may have all that in place, but that's something they could, I think, very optimistically pull off. But I will just continue to state my pessimism on that happening on any wide scale with studios. I think the only thing that will make it happen is another pandemic because the only time we saw any change in the way that movies were distributed in recent years was in the pandemic when, because people physically could not go to theaters, they, some, some of the movie industry put their movies on streaming first. And that's something that still happens in a a smaller way, but that would never have happened without the pandemic. That's what made that happen. And I think there would have to be another pandemic to see a massive change in movie licensing anytime soon. Don't,
0: don't, don't give the, uh, don't give anyone any ideas out there. (laughs) <laughs> uh, I've got to wrap this up. I got to wrap this up soon. I like AKA Big Worm's Common of blockchain lol. Uh we don't we don't talk about the blockchain very often on this show, but I I do enjoy the sentiment there because it's I do I wonder a lot about how we protect private communications such that no one else outside can can get into what we're doing and how that relates to this idea of Of licensed content sharing right like all these tech companies want to basically make sure they get paid for every single view of every single thing where it's how does that blockchain sort of like ever there's hundreds and hundreds of companies built around okay let's let's get a piece of that like let's build the blockchain so that does that no one is building the opposite of that of how do what protocol allows private sharing of info and then also is extensible to kind of like let people make profit off of it uh, at the end of the day? Um, any last comments you want to get to there, David?
1: Time to read through now. I think uh, Jay Ritchie just pointing out encryption can can solve a lot of those problems without the need for blockchain. Uh Artful pointing out that Sony obviously has uh, a music division that they could probably use for uh, music sharing on PSVR yeah. two. We haven't, and obviously Sony has their movie division as well. But I don't think that's something we've seen Sony focus on. There hasn't really been PSVR two has been very very focused on games. There really isn't any kind of home environment. You're just kind of in a floating screen in front of you uh there's been no social integration really there are no kind of sony avatars uh and i you know i think a lot of people would have loved to see a revival of the playstation home concept for psvr2 maybe it will still happen but for now this is something from sie sony uh interactive entertainment the playstation division and they seem laser focused on games i think for now that's probably the right strategy given that this is a a 550 dollars accessory for a playstation
0: 5 anyway yeah, Jay Ritchie's comment on encryption, not blockchain, I, is really going to the core of it. How do you, how do you make those two technologies work in in cooperation, such that individual one to one communications are protected, but they can also be monetized in a way that's that's user friendly? And that's where I think about. I wonder how those things will relate. Uh, I want to say thank you to everyone in our comments. It was a very lively discussion. A lot of what we talked about today was based on what you shared in our comments. Please do think about becoming an UploadVR member on UploadVR.com. Support our work. Let us, you know, we're talking about very big things and the way they affect uh, our way of life, right? And it, we we want more reporters. We want more people working on chronicling this in a in a sort of like no hype way or if we've got hype, it's, it's placed on the right things um, going forward. And the best way you can do that as, as our audiences come and support us on an ongoing basis so that we can get uh, a lot more people asking the hard questions of the people with a lot of power and money. So thank you all for tuning in. We'll see you next week. And actually, we might have to do it at a different time, uh, but we'll talk about that later. We might, we might have to move to Monday or maybe I'll, uh, maybe I'll hand off the show to someone else because I will be traveling. Thank you so Thanks much. Thanks so much,
1: everyone.